Welcome back to the Throw the Flag Coach podcast with Coach Jerry here. Last weekend was the week in between as we all wait for the Super Bowl. So the Pro Bowl was going on and the All-Star Games and whatever. But uh, this is our chance to uh, talk about Super Bowl weekend and to look forward to the championship game. So obviously we have no review for this week. And really quickly, for many of you uh, who haven't joined before, we do a top five uh, teams uh, at this point in the season, and it's identical to last week, as you can imagine. But just as a reminder, we got number five, Baltimore Ravens, even though they were the one seed uh, in the AFC. Number four, we got the Buffalo Bills, uh, who lost a heartbreaker wide right. Number three, the Detroit Lions, who can't believe they didn't run the ball in the second half. They're out. And then our Super Bowl contenders, number two, San Francisco 49ers. And then number one, the defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're number one on the board. And obviously those two are going to duke it out for number one for this season. And so it's been an exciting season. Hope you've enjoyed it. Usually we do a main topic every week. This week I thought, because we had the bye, uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to uh, look at the top five Super Bowl games of all time. Of course, according to me, and so obviously everyone's got their own thoughts, and uh, but I think these definitely will fall under a lot of people's top five. So number five is the New England Patriots at the Seattle Seahawks, the 2014 Super Bowl. So this had the defending champs, the Seattle Seahawks, who had obliterated the Broncos the year before. They were coming back to repeat, and they were going up against the Patriots, who had been to so many Super Bowls, but they hadn't won a Super Bowl in a decade. They hadn't won since 2004. Seahawks were known for their defense, right? The Legion of Boom. And the amazing part of this game is they were down, the Patriots. The Seahawks had them down, and with that defense, it should have been over. But Tom Brady led the, the Patriots to two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter to come back. Seattle was driving late, and it looked like it was just inevitable they were going to win. But then I don't know what they were thinking on the sideline, but the worst play call probably in Super Bowl history they decide to throw the ball, even though the Patriots couldn't stop Marshawn Lynch. And Malcolm Butler intercepts at the goal line to win. It was the most improbable, less than a minute to go. You thought for sure Seattle was going to punch it in. Belichick wasn't even calling timeouts. It d- didn't make any sense to leave some time so that they'd have time to kick a field goal to win it. And so they were living and dying on the goal line, and the Patriots came up with a turnover Uh, The best part of this game was the look on Shermie's face, Richard Sherman, who I cannot stand. He's a total jerk. They thought they were going to win. They thought they had this. And the look on his face when he saw what happened and the play call and the interception was priceless. That made it for me, that entire game. But that was very competitive against two very good teams. So that was number five on my list. Patriots against the Seahawks and the Patriots won their fourth Super Bowl. Heading to number four, this was a personal favorite of mine, 1997 Super Bowl between the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos. Yes, I like the Broncos, and that was a big part of that game. But that that game was a classic. First of all, you had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks going at it, Favre and Elway. When these guys both retired, they were two of the top five quarterbacks in every single statistical category. They were two of the best all time, and they were going at it head-to-head. Favre was the MVP that year, and they were the defending champs. Elway, he's going to his first Super Bowl in eight years after being blown out in three Super Bowls in the 80s. 
He didn't even think he'd get another chance to even go out after one. And now he's coming back after almost a decade from being at a previous one. The Packers were the defending champs, and they were double-digit favorites against the Broncos. And what people have to remember about this game, 13 straight years the NFC had won the Super Bowl. You didn't hear that wrong. 13, supposed to be the best of the AFC against the best of the NFC, and it went 13 years in a row that the NFC team won. It was like the AFC was the stupid cousin, just like back in the 60s, where the NFL, AFL were going at it, and nobody gave a second thought to the AFL. And now, for almost a decade and a half, the AFC just couldn't compete. So that was what was going on in this game. And then throughout the game, the Packers started, drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. 80-yard touchdown drive, just like that. But unlike other times where the AFC team just got blown out of the water, the Broncos came back, and this game was actually back and forth. There were turnovers, there were great offensive plays, and then there was the iconic helicopter spin on third and six as the Broncos were in the red zone trying and fighting to score. And Elway goes up in the air and gets hit by two other two Packer guys, but he just gets the third. He gets the first down. They end up going in for a go-ahead touchdown. This game was tied late, which Super Bowls didn't have very close games. A lot of them were blowouts. So just even the fact that the game was tied late inside the last uh, couple of minutes of the game was pretty amazing. And then they won with 27 seconds left, where the Broncos' defense held, and Elway finally won his first championship. Hall of Fame quarterback had gone to three, not just beat, but blown out. And he finally got his redemption against an amazing Packers team with Favre leading the way. That was your number four Super Bowl. Number three all time, Buffalo against the New York Giants in 1990. This one was a classic. And this, again, was at a time when most Super Bowls, probably 90% of the Super Bowls were blowouts. They were one-sided, and they just weren't very entertaining. And this one, well, you didn't have the two best teams. The New York Giants were a 14-2 team, but they were the second seed, and they went into San Francisco, and they, and they beat San Francisco, who was the number one top team. So Buffalo was actually favored going into this. And this was the first Super Bowl that Buffalo had ever been in. Buffalo had that high-powered K-gun offense. They were putting up points like crazy. They had the no huddle. They put up 52 points in the AFC Championship game. So people figured they're going to roll. Like, they're definitely supposed to be the favorites. The Giants had the ultimate game plan in terms of keep away. And they had two offensive drives that each went over nine minutes long. It was the first time in NFL history that that had happened. And so they kept the ball away. They ground. They they converted on fourth down. They were converting. you know, just a basic game plan, but they executed amazing. And then their defense held Buffalo in check. And they basically let the Buffalo Bills run the ball. But they smoked the receivers, and their focus was to stop that high-powered passing game. And it worked. Whitney Houston sang an iconic national anthem. There were tears all through the crowd as everyone was holding up those little American flags because the Gulf War had just begun. This was the first war since Vietnam in the mid mid 70s and a lot of people a lot of their fighting men had just gone to the Persian Gulf the first Gulf War to uh to liberate Kuwait from Iraq so you had that going on and with all this 
And as tight as it was, and you thought the Buffalo Bills should have, you know, should have blown the Giants out, the Giants played the ultimate game of rope-a-dope, where they just hung in and hung in, and they actually had the lead late. Buffalo got the ball. They they had a great drive, drove it down the field, 47 seconds left. They're in field goal range. And if the field goal is good, an amazing Giants team gets beaten and Buffalo wins their first championship ever. But this was the wide right game. This was when Scott Norwood lined up, 47 yards on grass, and he missed it wide right. And it was a classic game. It was the 25th Super Bowl, and both teams went at it, different styles, all the emotions and everything, and it went right down to the wire. And the Giants came out with the win. That was an iconic Super Bowl. Especially afterwards, Buffalo not winning, that was their best shot to win. And they still haven't won. And that game was 34 years ago. At number two, I know many people remember this game. Pittsburgh Steelers and Arizona Cardinals in 2008. One of the most entertaining, not just Super Bowl games, just games in general. There were so many touchdowns and so many big plays up and down the field. End of the half, probably the craziest play in Super Bowl history. The Cardinals are going in for a touchdown. And then James Harrison, this is with just a few seconds left on the clock. James Harrison, linebacker, drops into coverage, intercepts Kurt Warner, and runs 99 yards the other way for a pick six. That seemed to take forever because as he's running and there's bodies everywhere and the Steelers are trying to block and every Arizona guy is trying to tackle him. And they almost got to him just as Harrison falls into the end zone. If they had stopped him even a few inches short, the play would have ended and they would have gone to the half. So that was a huge swing of at least 10 to 14 points at the end of the half. And again, one of the most iconic unbelievable plays in Super Bowl history. Larry Fitzgerald ends one of the greatest wide receiver playoffs ever. He went on a four-game run that no wide receiver has ever done in playoff history. And he scores his big touchdown up the middle. Kurt Warner sees him, hits him, and they score the go-ahead touchdown with less than three minutes to go. But the Steelers and Roethlisberger start deep in their end, and they slowly drive down the field, the length of the field, for a winning score. Now, technically, the Pittsburgh Steelers won this game, but it's been 15 years since that time, and I'm still waiting for Santonio Holmes' second foot to come down in bounds because it still hasn't. Every replay you look, he never got a second foot in bounds, but they gave him a touchdown. If they didn't, if he didn't score there, it should have been a field goal kicked, and it would have been the first overtime in Super Bowl history. But alas. It's 15 years and counting, and that second foot still hasn't come down in bounds. That was a fantastic Super Bowl. It was so entertaining. Even though it didn't go the way I wanted, uh, you, you just couldn't help but feel like you just saw a piece of history. And the number one top Super Bowl of all time, and I don't think I'd get any pushback on this, regardless of what your team is. Well, maybe some Patriot fans. But you guys had enough. You went to 10 of them. So the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. By far and away, the most entertaining Super Bowl of all time. You've got the two one seats. So you got clearly the two best teams all year that are showing up. But Philadelphia has a backup because Carson Wentz, who was their leading candidate for MVP, blows his knee out and he's done for the year. So here comes the backup, Nick Foles, and he didn't look very good at the end of the regular season. 
But Philly goes on a run, and Foles is starting to make more and more plays. And see, so here you go, Philly trying to win their first Super Bowl ever against the defending champs, the Patriots. There was a ton of offense. I mean, you needed 40 points to win this game. The final score was 41-34. It was phenomenal. And this game went back and forth all game long. Both quarterbacks actually went out for passes. I still remember that fourth down play that Brady runs out there and the ball goes right through his hands. And then we all remember the Philly special where they, on fourth down, couple of handoffs, tosses, and then they throw back to Foles for the scored touchdown in the end zone. That was a pretty amazing game. All the way along, it was so close. And then even then, I mean, Tom Brady had a whale of a game. He threw for over 500 yards. You look at his stat line, you think, how on earth did the Patriots lose? But that's how good this game was. And there was just so much action, so much scoring, so much drama all the way along. It was the most fun game we had watching, uh, talking to people about it uh, weeks after. It was so much fun. And, of course, because it was Philly's first, the Philly, Philly crowd went crazy. Philly back home went nuts. And the Patriots, what did they have to, to hang their head for? They, they won two out of the last three Super Bowls. So they had already been there. So not that much of a, a letdown. But that game was phenomenal. It was so good to watch. It was entertaining. It was close. Lots of drama right down to the end. And lots of good football played. So that's my list. I got New England and Philadelphia at number one, 2017. Number two is Pittsburgh and Arizona in 2008. Number three is Buffalo and the Giants in 1990. Number four is Green Bay and Denver in 1997. And number five, Patriots and Seattle in 2014. And I just got to throw out an honorable mention to the Cincinnati-San Francisco game in 1988. That was the classic Montana to Taylor with 37 seconds left. Uh, Bengals played really well. Jerry Rice went for over 200 yards and uh, in receiving and won the MVP. Iconic game, very close. Again, on the heels of a ton of blowouts. That was a classic game. So that's an honorable mention. It didn't quite make the top five, but there's the mention. Every week we do a division spotlight, and so even though none of these teams are in the Super Bowl, we're now taking a look at the NFC East. The Cowboys actually won the division, and they were the two seed, and everything seemed to break their way this year, that they had a clear path to make a deep run. And instead, they had that epic blowout to the Packers at home. One and done. They lost Dan Quinn as their DC. So we're still waiting to see who's going to be the new coordinator. And of course, Jerry wants to run it back with Mike McCarthy. I mean, I think loyalty is good, but when something's not working, it's not working. But this is what Jerry Jones does. It's not about winning. It's about creating drama. What's amazing is that Bill Belichick is out there. And if they were smart enough and actually grabbed Belichick, I think Belichick could have them in the Super Bowl next year. And that's not hyperbole. That's just how good of a roster they have and how good of a coach Belichick is. But as it stands, Mike McCarthy is coming back as the head coach and Bill Belichick is probably on his boat in Florida. Uh, so I don't know what to expect from Dallas. Then we got Philly who came in second place, wild card. They have some deep issues in Philadelphia because that team was so talented. 
even though they were covering up, they were 10 and 1, best record in football. And then they're one and done in the wild card, card round. I mean, I mean it was bad. It was bad and you knew something was wrong because it was they had way too much talent to end up like that. And they basically they decided to keep the head coach, but they fired everybody else on the coaching staff. I think they they had a great pickup in Vic Fangio. He's a proven defensive coordinator leaving Miami. Um, their defense is going to be a lot better next year. Uh, they just have way too much talent to end up like this. And I think one thing I'd be concerned about if I was in Philly, is Hurts going to return to last year's MVP level? He looked average. And I know he had some injuries, but whether it was play calling, continued development, uh, something was wrong. And Hurts did not look elite. And that's a concern, especially after they signed him to the big extension. Then the third best team, or second worst team in this division was the New York Giants. Well, as you know, they get their $40 million paper quarterback back in Daniel Jones. We'll see what he does. Are they going to mess around with Saquon again and sign him to another tender? Will they draft a quarterback, or are they going to ride with what they have? I think one thing for sure is if they repeat their performance of 2023, Brian Dable, who was the coach of the year last year, I think he's gone. And who knows, maybe we could see the hoodie come to the Giants. It'll be an interesting offseason. And then finally, the last and second worst team in the NFL, the Washington Commanders. They had a terrible season. They fired everybody. And that everybody could see it for miles, especially because they had new ownership. They hired Dan Quinn, which doesn't exactly excite me, but he does have experience. He should give them at least a solid front office. But hiring Cliff Kingsbury... Like, I don't get it. What is it with this guy? He's got to have blackmail material on everybody because this guy has shown nothing at the NFL level. To be honest, he didn't show much at the college level. But Dan Quinn goes out and hires Cliff Kingsbury. Now, obviously, now the scuttlebutt is Caleb Williams was at UFC, at USC, sorry, University of Southern California. And that's where Caleb, Caleb Williams is like the front runner to be the number one pick in the draft and Cliff Kingsbury was one of his coaches. And so what happened in Arizona where they got Cliff Kingsbury and he drafted first overall and he got Kyler Murray, the guy he wanted. Now that hasn't worked out so well in Arizona. Are they going to try to do the same thing in Washington? Caleb Williams, the, the hometown kid who grew up in DC and played his high school ball in DC. I mean, it could be a huge, uh, I mean, from a PR perspective, from a talent perspective, but I don't know. I, I'm not sold on this mix of Kingsbury and Caleb Williams. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. Th I don't think that was a very good hire. Let's see what happens. Let's see what Washington does with their offense next year. But I don't think it was a very good hire. So Dan Quinn, at least hopefully you can work with that defense. Uh, you have some pieces. I don't see this team competing much in 2024, even if they have a magical off season of an amazing draft and they sign all the greatest free agents. I just don't see them coming out of the basement. Uh, weirder things have happened, but I think Washington's destined for the basement next year too. So moving forward, as we finish Super Bowl weekend and as we head into the offseason, you know, we have to look forward to the draft that the Dallas Cowboys are picking 24th. So they're in the 20s. Philly's picking 22, so only two spots above. And then we got the two terrible teams. The Giants have the sixth pick. So they could end up picking a successor for Daniel Jones. Let's see. And then Washington has a second overall pick, and they're absolutely going to pick a quarterback. The question is going to be, are they going to pick at number two, or are they going to trade up with the Bears at number one if they really want to go hard after Caleb Williams? 
That's the NFC East. Now looking forward, we're going to take a quick peek at the Super Bowl. We have the 49ers and the Chiefs. This should be a close game. We have two legitimate heavyweights. I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. Kansas City's defense has been so good all year, but they're now finally getting noticed after that AFC Championship game they played. I think ultimately this game is going to boil down to which team can run the ball better against the other. They both have really good quarterbacks and you know great or, or somewhat great weapons. San Francisco got better weapons than KC, but KC has Travis Kelsey, who on his own can steal a game. But the fact is, you know, McCaffrey is the best running back. And so San Francisco should have an edge there. But Kansas City's defense is better than San Francisco's defense against the run. And then the other thing is San Francisco likes to play a 4-2 defense. So that's four linemen with only two amazing linebackers. But then that means they have five defensive backs that are looking to cover. So they play with a much smaller lineup. They play in nickel most of the time. If Kansas City is able to run a ball, run the ball with that good offensive line and with Mahomes manipulating what he sees, and they struggle to stop the run, San Francisco is going to have to change to bigger personnel or they're going to have to blitz. Either way, they don't like doing that. And if they blitz, Mahomes has shown time and time again that he could torch a team when they blitz. He's smart enough to be able to see where it's coming from. So both teams have two weeks to prepare for each other. So it'll be interesting to see how creative they get. But I really believe that's where the game's going to be won or lost. It's going to be not only in the trenches, line against line, but who can run better against the other. The other thing, too, is if you can run better, you're going to keep the other quarterback and the other offense on the sideline more. And I think that's what these teams are going to have to do against each other is whoever can win time of possession, run the ball, keep the ball, um, and keep the time of possession. I think they're the ones that are ultimately going to win the game. But it should be fun. These are the kind of games that we look forward to. Uh, and hopefully it is a close and competitive game. So thank you for joining us this week on Super Bowl week. Enjoy one of the greatest weekends of the year, Super Bowl weekend. Get together with some folks, grab some great food, and watch Usher and Taylor, I, I mean San Francisco and Kansas City, play for the championship. Enjoy, everyone. Coach Jerry out. <laughs>